Playoff preview. Roll the tape. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Starzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle of the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. Okay, so we're going to start off with some of our picks for a few of the OUA uh, awards. And we're going to start off with the Norm Marshall Trophy, the Rookie of the Year Award. On this front, Dakota, you and I both agree. Uh, and for this player, despite missing some time due to injury this year, his performance and what he did to start off the year cannot go understated. I, given your relation to him, your personal relationship to him, I'll allow you to talk about it. Lucky! It's Barney. Come on now. Three special teams touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. A uh, 10-yard rushing touchdown in the last game there. Like you said, he missed some time, and he still put up those numbers. I didn't see any other outstanding rookie um, that really jumped off the page. Like, the way that this guy jumped and spun his way to the end zone. You know, I, I think for, for me, it's, it's a no-brainer going with Clark Barnes. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree on, on that front. It just... You know, the the way you generally will measure rookie of the year is normally somewhat cushioned in thinking that, well, it's a rookie, so do you hold up to the same standard that you might judge a more veteran player at the position? And obviously, his impact being specials and offense, you can't judge in one sole category, but he was up there with the best in the league, not just amongst rookies. What he does, he does at the top of the OUA. Uh, so hands down, uh, we're both in agreement on that one. Next one we're going to do is the President's Trophy. Most outstanding defensive player. Would you like to give your pick first? Yeah, this guy's an absolute monster. Uh, he's Eddie Meredith's favorite linebacker. It's going to be Jack Kasser. Mm. Uh, you can look up his stat line. It, the fact that he stands out so much in such a strong um, linebacking core that Carlton has, I think just goes to show how much, you know, he may not have the top stats in every single category, but I think he had an outstanding season, really led his defense, and look at them now winning two games in a row head into the playoffs. So that's my pick for Defensive Player of the Year in the OUA. Definitely, and I won't be surprised, and I won't be upset by any means if Kassler ends up taking it. I think he's a phenomenal athlete, but I'm going to go with the middle linebacker he's going to be going up against, or at least his offense will be going up against in the first round of the playoffs. That being my former teammate, Mr. Joe Brinehart. This guy's an absolute beast, much like Kasser. He's a freak athlete. You know, you have one of the top front sevens in the province, one of the best defenses, and he's he's the leader of that defense. You know, finished top ten in tackles, picked up four and a half sacks on the year, had that one would-be, you know, pick six that didn't happen a couple weeks back, but, you know, I'm over that one. But, you know, he, he he's, he's the straw that stirs the drink for that defense. The you know the front four definitely gets after it, but you know he's there just picking up every single thing that gets past that that line of scrimmage, uh, and just a phenomenal leader for them. So uh, going with Job, if it happens to be either of those two players, though, I, I feel like we're in fairly in agreement that both are, are tremendous picks. Last one that we're gonna do here is we're going with the MVP of the league. 
Dakota, who you got? It's been a while since I've introduced him as as this, but Killer Clay, Clay with a K, Clay Sequera. I don't think it should be any competition here. There are were, were some great players. He usually goes to a quarterback. What better quarterback than leading the nation in touchdowns, leading the OUA in passing yards? I don't think there's any other quarterback that you know could kind of even get close to that. So that's that's my MVP. I know you're probably gonna do some parody pick and go someone else here, but you're wrong. And Clay's got this MVP on lock. Well, I'm gonna go with the man that dons your alma mater's colors, Mr. Chris Merchant. Oh, come on. You know, best best player, best offensive player on, on the best team in the league, and not to mention that his stats are very good to go around, along with it. Passing, no doubt, one of the top in the province, but also running the ball too. He has what was it? He's one of the top in touchdowns. Is he number one in, in TDs? Not on rushing, no Pellerin. Oh, Pellerin, but he's what? He's we got him at. He's third. He's tied with. He's tied with Trey Ford. He's almost what? He's he's a, just under a hundred yards less than Trey Ford. And if we think about running quarterbacks. We're probably. Thinking Trey Ford before just, just a question here though, but, you know, if yeah. he he's the you know one of the best players on the best team, is he the MVP though? Is he the most valuable player? Is he you know LeBron doesn't win an MVP every time because he's not the most valuable player. Clay is the the Greek freak. I don't I don't think he's actually Greek, but I'm just comparing him <laughs> to Ante Dacumpo there in the, yeah. in the basketball reference. I mean, I, I see where you're I see where you're coming from in, in that in that standpoint. I mean, if we're gonna go down the road of like, well, if you remove. And you would know, Clay be the first MVP on a two and sixteen? Well, I mean that has to be taken into consideration too. I think, you know, no doubt without Clay that team doesn't win a single game. Um, without without Merchant though, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm doing a little bit of uh, you know singing his praises for for the career he's had and unbelievable and, player and everything like that. And you know he's he's never I don't yeah he's not won an MVP yet. So part of me is just. For the story of Chris Merchant and his storied career, I'm just giving him that little extra n- nod in his direction. But I don't think it's it's undeserved by any means at all. Once again, though, I have no issue if the voters go with Clay on that one. Who are the voters? Uh, I think it's uh your cat Hobbs here for one. If they're the same people that make the schedule, we got some problems. <laughs> oh boy, do we ever. Um, so those are uh, our picks for... Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player, and OUA MVP. With that being said, let's jump into our preview of the first round of OUA Playoff Football. All right, Dakota, I'd love to say starting off with the 1 o'clock game. Which one? And then proceeding to the 4 o'clock game. But yes, they are both at 1 o'clock. I'm downright furious about this. Furious. And this is me furious in case it's not coming across. Guys, so. he's not fully smiling. You should watch out. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not as if that this is like a continue, like a, a precedent from the past and that like they've never had these games split up. These games have almost always been split up when it's the playoff game. You have two games to monitor here. Put them at different times. Oh, my goodness. We'll start with the first one on the schedule as it's listed. We had the Waterloo Warriors going to face the Ottawa GGs. The 4-5 matchup in Ottawa. We have one of the top offenses in the league, led by Trey Ford, the incumbent OUA MVP. Going up against one of the top defenses. Haven't yet crunched the numbers, but probably one of the best scoring defenses. Great secondary. Really strong front 7-2. Talked a lot about that defensive line all year long. Tremaine Steve and Rashad, um, and Rashad there. 
getting after it for them. You know, I, I feel like I would have been slightly more confident in Waterloo prior to that MAC game. But we've now seen in the most recent occasion, this MAC game and, and prior in the Guelph game, we've seen Waterloo losing games where, you know, it's one thing when the other team just outscores them, but Waterloo still puts up points. It's another when, and as you've talked about this quite a bit, if they truly are a one trick pony, you know, if you're able to handle that pony or however you continue that metaphor, can this team can this team keep up? I don't think so. Mm. Um, it's it's tough when you see the powerhouse that is Waterloo's offense going against Western and putting up forty plus points on Western. Who yeah, they had an injured defense, but still is Western. You know, until proven otherwise. I don't see them being able to replicate that offensive production against an Ottawa defense that can put up their own points. You know, they they beat Carlton. Ottawa's defense won the Panda game for Ottawa. Oh, for 100%. sure. 100%. Yeah. And and now that the fact, my my biggest thing with Ottawa um, was always kind of that quarterback situation with America. <clears throat> and we don't know. It was just the one game with Mahler there, and we don't know if this is going to be something special or not, but even a consistent quarterback who's just going to go out there, score one, two touchdowns, really manage the game, let the defense rest, this Ottawa team can win games now. You know, and I know they have won games and they're in the playoffs, but they, I don't think that, that Waterloo, and again, obviously I could be wrong, but I don't think that Waterloo can go into this game with we can rely on Trey Ford, and you know he'll lead our offense. But the defense isn't anything special. Yes, we've mentioned they have the interceptions. They they do lead in some statistical categories, but I just don't see. I see the defense of Ottawa being more powerful than the offense of Waterloo, and then I see we'll call. I don't want to call it mediocrity, but the the averageness of both Ottawa's offense and Waterloo's defense. Really, just I have Ottawa. It might be a little squeaker out there, like mm. just three, four, five points. You never really know, but I just don't. I don't see Waterloo, especially with the travel. The travel is always such a big factor yeah. here. Uh, I feel like I talk about it every single week. Traveling up there, anything can happen, and I just don't have. You know, McMaster went up to to Carlton and lost. So Carlton's a great team. We'll get to him, but the travel is such a huge factor as well, and that's just an an added advantage for Ottawa. So I have Ottawa taking this one. Oh, it may boy. be close, but just. Well, what's really interesting is I was thinking as as you were talking there, going back to week week five when we had both these teams sitting at three and one, and we posed the question, not only that we talked about, but we posed it online as well, which is the more legit three and one team, and I think our response as well what was echoed in the sentiments of those who replied, which is that Waterloo was the more legit team. And not all that much that I can think of has changed since then, other than, as you said, we've now seen a full game, Matt Mahler in, at quarterback for the GGs. We've seen just more and more evidence piling on that this defense can win you games, or at least can put you in a position where you don't need an amazing offensive game. They can carry 75-80% of the load to a victory and just leave the rest to your to your offense on the flip side for Waterloo, it's been 
very much the same song and dance. The offense, if it is if it is if it is there, well, you can still beat them because the defense can put can give up points. And then if you are able to slow down their uh, Trey Ford, which as we said, you know Ottawa's a prime candidate for another team that might be able to do that somewhat. Well, that's another road to victory for them. So you're also, you're also looking at a team, a Waterloo team that's lost three in a row. Yeah, that does take a toll on you, and it's it's always important to kind of secure that win going into the playoffs, saying, okay, we've got it all together. So now the last three weeks they've been going into, okay, what can we do to get better? What can we do to get better? What can we do to get better? Mm-hmm. And now, oh snap, regular season's done. It's playoff time. We got to travel seven and a half hours from Waterloo yeah. up to Ottawa, a team that's been struggling in the past couple weeks. It's it's tough to say been struggling when they put up such crazy numbers against Laurie in that triple overtime loss. Yeah, they're but, a play away from running both those games. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's still a loss, loss is a loss, and they've yeah. they've lost three in a row. Yeah. And now they have to travel, and now they have to face a solid defense that's been solid all year. Who yeah. just found a quarterback that can kind of manage the system. It's there's too many factors going into this one, and again, it's so hard to tell because Trey Ford can just. Beat Trey Ford and scored six touchdowns and just say and just screw, the game. Yeah. screw you guys on the podcast. But I, don't, it's, I just don't have them. Yeah, no, I know. I, I it's a really compelling pick for Ottawa. You know, they're at home. All the reasons we we've laid out. Uh, I'll put my faith in Trey Ford in, in this one. I'll, I'll take the Warriors. You know, one thing though I want to mention. Last thing on the Ottawa front, going back to Week Two, or yeah, Week Two when Bittner got hurt against Mac. I remember talking about. Can Ottawa play the no one believes in us card? You know, they're all going to doubt us, all the naysayers. They've done that as well as I think any team I've ever <laughs> followed in any sport. Well, as, they, well, they use my trash talk on that Panda game. <laughs> for sure. And it really has been, you know, this is a team that went 6-2, and two, or was it 6-2 and or 7, whatever it was. They were second seed last year. They definitely lost some big players both on offense and defense and they just still managed every single week to put themselves in position to have success, um, you know. So but may, maybe the fact that you're betting on them makes me a little wary of it because if, if you're not doubting them anymore, then maybe that takes away some of their fire. So hopefully they don't hear that and they continue to think that you're a perpetual hater. I am actually <laughs> just, I'm just going to pull these stats because I ran these numbers. Um, I'm actually 3-0 and when picking Ottawa. To win a game. Oh boy! You hear that, GGS? Three and zero. Also, check the weather. Sorry, to... sorry, oh. sorry. Two and zero because I didn't pick them last week and they lost. I'm two and zero when picking Ottawa. Well, hopefully that that continues for their sake. Uh, check the weather. It's supposed to be a sunny uh, day, a little chilly, but no rain, anything like that that could factor in as well. Um, so once again, I'll go with I'll take Waterloo in this one. You have the home team in Ottawa, uh, regardless of the wind, though. Uh, is this like home team? Like, is this an upset for Waterloo to win? Is it a push? Like, what do you? think? I don't think so. I think it's it's a fairly even game. Yeah, you know, it's one of those kind of minus one, whoever wins wins sort of thing. Um, Waterloo again, starting the whole season very strong, ending very poorly. They're still, you know, they are who we think they are in in that sense. But I don't think it's an upset. I think it's going to be great for them if they win, especially coming off of you know last season's perhaps disappointing end um they're kind of they're kind of in the same situation they were last year yeah where solid team you know are are you going to lose the game for yourself or are you going to win 
No, fair enough. I, I and I cannot wait to see what what ends up coming of this one, um, and then the win. Well, we can't really speak to the the winner of that game because that's gonna depend on the uh, outcome of the other quarterfinal game. But on that note, let's jump into our breakdown of that game. It's Carlton visiting Guelph. Now, this game's obviously a week two rematch from when we saw Guelph traveling down to Ottawa to beat Carlton to the tune of thirty-seven to twenty. You know. Memory serves, it was a pretty ugly game for Carlton. You know, a ton of penalties. I'm looking at the stats now. 18 penalties they gave up on this one. You know, two, uh, three fumbles, two of them lost. Very, uh, you know, lackluster performance pretty much by the offense in general. Um, you know, for Guelph, this was coming off of the loss to McMaster. And, you know, as we kind of talked about in our review of the week of week nine... A lot of my commentary on Guelph is that they've been able to maintain throughout the year, win the games that they should win, and just trying to get healthier and healthier as the season's gone on. It seems to have finally come to fruition here towards the end of the season. We've seen you know, the, the two top running backs that they want to have running the ball for them, looking healthy now, putting up numbers. You know, uh, Ziggy, Eric Starcella. Looks to be pretty darn close, if not completely ready to go this coming week. So for that offense, that's going to be huge for them. You know, Keandre Smith suffered a bit of an injury in their last game, uh, Week Nine versus versus U of T. Um, but I think for for this game, you know, few big questions: Does does Nathan Carter return? A B If he returns, how does that affect what? Carlton's usage is in the run game. Do they stick with feeding Josh Ferguson? I know, and I'll let you speak on this. I know you're a big fan of just feeding the hot hand in that situation, right? Hundred um, percent. Like we mentioned previously, just go with the hot hand, and even if you have to go by committee, just as long as you kind of give them enough to what we saw with Mac last week, give them enough to kind of get momentum going. Both backs are are dangerous, and even if you give it to one or the other. Again, both backs can put up over 100 yards. So, what's really worrying me for for South Carlton for Guelph is, you know, you have Nathan Carter goes 100 yards. You're really tiring out the defense. He gets tired. Put Ferguson and he goes for another 100 yards because the defense is staying consistent. Obviously, you're swapping out, you know, linebackers here, defensive tackles, defensive ends, all that sure. stuff. But to be able to swap these running backs in and out, and as long as they're still building that momentum. It pretty much doubles doubles your energy there and putting up all those yards. For sure. I mean, I think you could say something similar about Kwame Osi and Juwan Jeffrey for Guelph running the ball too. But I think you touched on really what this game is going to come down to. We have two of the top front sevens in the league. We have two uh, offenses that are more than likely going to heavily lean on the run game as far as the offensive lines. Assuming Starcella is back in the fold for, for Guelph, I'd say they're pretty evenly matched there in, in terms of in terms of the line for the quarterbacks for DeYoung and for Theo Landers. It's probably going to be a bit more of that game manager style. Got to uh, you know maintain the pace of the offense. Can't have any brutal turnovers, nothing like that. But you know we've seen from Theo, he's had games where he's had impact, big impacts in the running game, being able to put up you know into the high two hundreds in, in the passing game, and and same with Tanner as well for Carlton. So I think. One of those two could, I think the quarterback position could make or break this game if we have maybe someone trying to play a little hero ball, trying to make it happen when maybe they should have just been, you know, managing a little bit more 
or on the flip side, if someone does step up in the moment for their respective team, that can be the make or break in, in this one as well. As we talked about, it also might just be a factor of controlling turnovers or, or you know limiting turnovers, limiting penalties, all those sort of small things that uh, definitely can be within your grasp, but at the end of the day can just kill you. Yeah, I, this game's really tough for me. Um, two hot teams, Carlton going two in a row in the win column, Guelph going three in a row in the win column. I did a little bit of advanced advanced stats on you know our picks throughout the season. I'm three and zero when I say Guelph's going to win. I'm zero and three when I say Carlton's going <laughs> to win. I absolutely hate Carlton games. I want to stay away from Carlton games. In fact, I'm one in seven when it comes to Carlton games in general. Yeah. So I I can't pick these games to save my life. And like you were saying about the hero ball situation, Carlton's not going to give Guelph that kind of room to, for Theo Landers to throw up the ball. You know, maybe not tuck the ball when he runs. Carlson's defense is absolutely crazy. They're on such a hot streak. Hopefully Jack Caster's back. I assume he's going to be in this game. I can't see him being that hurt from last game that he's missing anything. How many picks for McWhirter? Zero, because I don't throw him the ball. <laughs> Theo, if you're listening to this, don't throw him the ball. Like, I don't know how you're throwing to that side. <laughs> I don't know if I have a definitive answer on who I think is going to win. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I want to say I want to say if it's everything's even, and what I mean by that is no travel. I would have Carlton winning this game. Oh, I would neutral have Carl- territory. You're going I would with- say neutral territory. No one has to travel in some weird universe where yeah, yeah, yeah. they're playing virtual and Carlton's and Carlton, Guelph's at Guelph. <laughs> but I think because of the travel, I feel like Guelph's going to have that little bit of advantage. I know it's lazy to say that travel is such an advantage, but for me, it really is. I'd love. I might spend some time and break down the games on you know, Ottawa home and away games sort right. of thing. But yeah, yeah. it's just Guelph, Guelph is hot. They they have the hot hand right now, but they didn't look amazing against UFT, which you don't see from the 40 points they put up, but they didn't look that solid as a unit, especially offensively. And you cannot make mistakes against Carlton and Jack Hasser and McWitter and that entire defensive mm-hmm. squad. You can't make mistakes against them. So I think if it's in Guelph, which it obviously is, you know, Guelph has that slight advantage. I'd love to see, you know, Carlton maybe go in there. I think it is an upset, obviously, if Carlton goes in and wins. But yeah, that's my, I guess that's my prediction, I guess. (laughs) I didn't really give you a solid answer, but that's my. Yeah, that's fine. So going with Guelph, I'm also going with Guelph. For what it's worth, I would probably be taking, I I would, I would be taking Guelph in that uh, weird sci-fi neutral territory uh situation that we laid out um that you had laid out there you know they've been good all year and they've been hot of late and this is a team that's we talked about how good mcmaster is playing at home at at, um at ron joyce guelph is equally as tough uh uh a school to go into at alumni stadium and take a win there it's a no, regardless, though, I think I, I echo your sentiments. It's going to be one hell of a game. I'm probably I, I'm expecting probably a good defensive matchup in this one, uh, no doubt. So we'll have to see um, what uh, what outcome will come of this. And unfortunately, as we mentioned, you're going to have to pick which of these semifinal games you choose, or pardon me, quarterfinal games you choose to watch. The other one you'll have to follow on Twitter. Get both uh, the screens open. Carlton, Carlton's winning this. Oh. oh. You're just going for that. You're going for that Panda rematch Yates Cup. That's where you're, you're playing the long game. I see you. No, I don't. 
as fun as Panda rematch would be, I don't want to drive to Ottawa. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Zach and I will obviously do our best to be at the eights. I don't see why we wouldn't be at the eights. I don't really want to go to <laughs> go to Ottawa. But I'm just saying, looking at Guelph played U of T, Guelph played Queens, and Guelph played Ottawa in their last three games. And those were their wins. Ottawa, I know we just mentioned how solid their defense is, but that was an Ottawa team with a different quarterback in a different situation. Okay? And then we look at Carlton, who beat a very hot Laurier offense and three picks, let them only get 10 points, and then a very solid second-place MAC team and got that win. Both of which were do-or-die games for them. Exactly. And now it's the, it's all it's do the or same die. old, same old here, do or die. So, you know, we're looking at, okay, Guelph's won three in a row. And I know I just said that, and Carlson's won two, but look at who they had to play. Yeah. No, that's actually an interesting that, that's an interesting take on it, the idea that Carlton's been playing playoff football for the last two weeks now. And against arguably tougher teams. Mm, well, fair enough. Um, okay, no. If Queen, you, Queens and Toronto versus Laurier. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you meant tougher teams than Guelph. Well, well, I mean, Guelph in the last two games... U of T and Queens. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. that Laurier and Mac are tougher teams than Guelph. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Well, you can make the case for Mac. But anyways, uh, okay, no, fair enough. That's, yeah, okay. Um, so we're we're going split on both of these picks. Uh, we'll get the picks for Brandon and Eddie up uh, soon uh, this week. And uh, yeah, tune in on Saturday. Get this, you know, picture in picture going on the laptop. Get two laptops Heck, get three. Whatever you got to do. Check out these games. Uh, no doubt to be phenomenal ones. And uh, we'll see who ends up traveling to London and who ends up traveling to McMaster to take on Western and and uh, the Marauders in the semifinal action. Uh, with that being said, though, let's slide into the mailbox and see what we have for this week. So a lot of these great questions came from one of our favorite Twitter followers, uh, which is at OUA Football Talk. Another great account that you should be following if you love OUA football as much as I'd hope you do because you're listening to us. Um, I'll try and I'll try and get their questions mixed in with a couple other questions we got. The first one is: after it's all said and done, after all the talks we've had, who really has the best front seven? Oof. Ah oh, man. I'll admit man, it's oh, not man. Western. Yeah, no, I, it, I definitely not Western. Um, I, I you know I'm sticking with my pick for Guelph, the Royal City Wrecking Crew. Shout out to Nick Oakley for coming up with that one a few weeks back. Didn't even give him, or I, only, I think it's the first time we're mentioning it. The Royal City Wrecking Crew, love that front four, love that linebacking crew. They have some ballers in the secondary. Um, you know, Doton Akatepi's had a hell of a year. He had a beautiful interception um, against uh, UFT last week, but. I'm getting off track because so obviously we're talking about front seven. Yeah, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Guelph. Okay, um, it's a tough one here. I don't I don't think it's Guelph, and it's not just me hating on Guelph. They're very solid. I didn't. Yes, I'd say they have one of the best defensive lines. I'm including AJ Allen in that defensive line just because they rightfully move, so yeah. move him into that into that four a lot. <clears throat> I didn't see a lot of action going against U of T. Yes, U of T played that max seven. Yeah, uh, offensive line front. Um, it's really tough because I think you know Carlton has the best linebackers in the game. I I think that's I think that's fair to say at least for me. So, no, yeah, no, it's I, fair to say. Yeah, 
I think Queens has some of the best defensive line. I think they're very underrated. They have multiple players in, in the top five for sacks. I don't know if I'll be able to solidly answer this just because I am, you know, offensive-minded, and when it comes to defense, I've been trying to get a lot better at this, but I'm just seeing more explosive plays and, you know, all around. You know, Mac I think, is still up there. Guelph and Mac yeah. are still up there. Laurier, too. Laurier yeah, is definitely argument. up there, too. More so, again, just defensive line. Yeah. So when you're including the whole front seven, yeah, I'll go, you know, Mac and Guelph are just... Or, you know, neck and neck with my picks there. I'd love to see that as a semifinal game. You know what? I want to just make this point because I meant to mention it in, in, in the earlier podcast this week with, with Laurier being kicked out, one thing that really bummed me out, uh, something I realized watching it is that, like, damn, I would have loved to have seen Laurier and Guelph go head-to-head. Yeah, if only they had just let Carlton score. <laughs> the damn touchdown. You'd be in the playoffs. Oh, boy. Anyways, what do we got next? Okay. Long-time listener, long-time question asker, Nick Oakley. Nick! Two-part question. Love it. First part is, does his question from last week still stand? And I'm not going to research it, but I do believe it is to the point of, is Western still this powerhouse team when we're seeing so many teams go in there and kind of go neck and neck with them, Mm. go toe-to-toe in these battles? I'll make my point quick. Yes, they are. They've won eight games. They've won eight games. They've won eight games. I'm not repeating myself. I'm just going back three years in a row. Yeah, uh, They're not as impressive as they have been, but you need to understand that what they were the year they won the Vanier was in a literal different league of of football. They No other team was even kind of close. They were high schoolers versus grade six. And then the next year after that, they were high schoolers versus, I don't know I'm saying high school instead of college, but <laughs> high, high schoolers versus, you know, middle schoolers. And now they're, they're varsity versus JV. So mm. yeah, it's closer, but it's still, they still are a powerhouse team. They may lose one game, but come on, let's be serious. It's still Western. Well, so I, I would say with this Ottawa game to, to echo some of your sentiments uh, coming out of our, our breakdown of that one, that that one, hard to judge because we don't, well, a we weren't weren't able to watch that one live or after the fact. Plus, it's hard to get a read of what was Western, what were Western's intentions going into that one with how they wanted to play. No doubt, Ottawa's defense is capable enough to have held them to the points that they did in a just you know uh, in a game with, with no caveats or anything like that. But I, I do agree. Over the last three years, they've still obviously been you know that eight no top team in the OUA becoming a little bit more little bit more of a, of a target possibly uh, leading into this year. The thing that I, I think we can say definitively we've seen in some of these matchups though, you look at the Guelph game, tight defensive battle, 9-3 final, whatever it was. You see the game against Waterloo, the 53-50 or whatever the final was there, the final kick of the field goal. Guelph doing what they do best in, in playing solid defense and kind of bring Western into that matchup. Waterloo doing what they do best, playing incredible offense and making Western match. So we've definitely seen, while Western obviously came out on top in those matchups, that I feel like with how dominant they've been in the past, it's been the, a level of dominance where teams almost don't know what to do. You're almost scared to play your game because you just don't know what to do. It seems like teams are more confident playing them now that they can stick to their guns. Yeah, they're, they're, de- yeah, they're definitely more confident. Mm. It is 
you know, going into TD Stadium used to be a nightmare for teams. I would assume I, I, London was my home, so yeah, that's just where I was. But no, I definitely see what your point is there. You know, Waterloo went in and played their game, which is yeah. an explosive offense. Guelph came and played their explosive defense. But I think we go in offense, defense, special teams. There's no one that can come and match all three of those factors oh, in sure. one go. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess just in terms of the question of like how dominant are they? My biggest thing from this year, teams aren't scared of them. And I think that that goes a huge way. Yeah, I don't think teams are, are, are shaking in their boots, but they're still just preparing just as much. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those situations where, come talk to me when they lose. I agree. No, 100%. Um, the, what we got next? The second part of that question, this oh, is yeah. going to be tough. This is going to be a tough one, so I'm going to give you five seconds to think about it. Okay. But that's five seconds before I ask you the question. Oh, boy. So you have right. to think about your answer right now. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you the question. I already got it. Okay. Who is your... Who's back of the year? Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, who's back of the year? Who's back of the year? Are we talking... Who's back? What? Who's back Just of the who's year? who's back? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. The, I, I, I might, you know... Might have to, you know, give a, a cop-out on this one or might have to save this one for another. Excellent question. Beautiful question. I love referencing our own material, feeding it back to us. I, you know what? This might not be in the true spirit of what we normally do for our who's back, but I'm going to tip my cap. I'm going to tip my cap just to the Ottawa GGs. Once again, we talked about how they had such an incredible year last year. Really, really uh, competitive team on all facets of the ball. They lost some key players, no doubt. But guess who's back with a home playoff game in the first round of the playoffs? The Ottawa GGs. So, it, despite all the adversity they had to deal with this year, you know, they're still the Panda the Panda Game champs. Still have a home game in the playoffs. So I know that doesn't fully encapsulate the spirit of it and. Uh, I'll try and do a little digging couple with something that more accurately reflects the who's back maybe for next week. But for now, off the top of my head, I'll give that to the Ottawa GGs. If you're going to put me on the spot, which Nick Oakley, you did, um, as you know, I kind of like to go off a little bit usually with, you know, math is back and all that junk or true love is back. My who's back is competitive OUA football. Yeah, um, love it. In, in the past, you know, we've seen a, definitely a dominance from the Quebec side of thing and the West Coast side of things with... East Coast somehow squeaking in a couple players there, which we'll get to that in a second. But just the all-around competitiveness of the OUA, obviously we are unfortunate enough that we can't see these teams go head-to-head with any other conferences. We only get to see one when the Yates winner comes out and goes to Quebec or plays, or I'm not sure if it's actually going to be in Ontario. But I think they're going to Quebec this year. But um, Just the, the competitiveness of each team going into each week, there's been... So many crazy upsets. It's been an absolutely great season. It went down to the wire with seven teams trying to fight for six spots. Um, so my who's back of the year, we haven't really seen it in a while. And it might be, you know, because of Western's dominance and, and this year them coming down to earth a little bit. But who's back of the year is competitive OUA football. Definitely. And, you know, on that point, I'll be so excited once we get into the the U Sports playoffs seeing how these conferences stack up against each other, having their best teams go mono y mono. So, all right, what we got next? <clears throat> okay, you may have to pull up the list for me here, but do you, Zach, yes. and do you, Dak, <laughs> agree with the U Sports voters on the top 10 
standings. I know we talked about this. I think it was in week four, week five. Yeah. I'll let you go first. I have my thoughts, but... I, I have the list up right here. Uh, starting at number one, uh, we got Western, Laval, Sounds Guelph. Well. At three? At three. Guelph, Mac, Acadia, Montreal, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Ottawa, Manitoba. Once again, not to get into too much in terms of where the out-of-province teams land on this because it just wouldn't... I, I really can't speak to that all that effectively. But the two things that stand out, uh, you know, number one, you have Guelph and Mac, both at 6-2 and two records, but as you pointed out last week or a couple weeks ago, who won that head-to-head? Might have been nine weeks ago at this point or eight weeks ago, whatever. Still Mac. And I think you have to respect that. And on the flip side, or the other point, and you know, we, we kind of already talked about this, so maybe it's not that controversial. But you have Ottawa sitting at that nine spot. You know, despite that three-game losing streak, you know, there's part of me that feels like Waterloo still deserves to to have some shine on this list, or even Carlton, maybe. You know, one of, I feel like one of those two should be on, but once again, that would either be bouncing Ottawa out of the nine spot off the list, or one of say Manitoba, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and I I can't hold really up, com- hold up, hold up, hold up. We're not going to bounce Acadia. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Oh, but I've just seen in, in absolutely no disrespect, but maybe a little bit of disrespect to the East Coast. We've seen time and time again them do their thing. You know, one team goes pretty much undefeated. Yeah, and then an, an an unnamed purple pony goes over there and puts up an eighty burger on them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I can't you can't say merge them into a league because, man, you can't travel from Anaganish to to London. That's just not reasonable for a weekend. But the the competitiveness isn't there, and it's absolutely nothing. I don't want to say anything to do with. It is the talent, but they have amazing, talented players out there. It's just that they're not getting the same kind of recruitment as no one wants to go out there. Yeah. It's because it is in Canada and because there are, you know, it's not just I'm going out there to play football. It's also going for schooling. The schools have to take a little bit of accountability for what programs are we offering to really bring people out there, you know, because the top people, if I get an offer from Western or from St. FX, I bring those up for any of my friends that went to both and are listening probably gonna you're gonna pick western just because it is a better academic school and it's a more prestigious football program so it's tough for them to recruit the same way i think that york and uft are tough to recruit so i don't know if if the east coast just for the fact that they're undefeated should be on there yeah you know in in ncaa there's lots of undefeated teams but look at strength of schedule true yeah well, it'll be interesting to see in the coming years how much the uh, the CFL's impact in, in in the East Coast will sort of trickle down through to the other uh, leagues, uh, be it U Sports, into the high school level, rap ball, all those things, to see if that creates a bit more of a uh, of an intrigue not only within the local communities, but then as well as you mentioned, bringing out of province talent out to the East Coast. And what can teams do to do that to to help to help boost boost that and and make it more of a you know more of a legitimate conference? But yeah, no, I I I, I, t- I totally see your point in that for sure. Also, yeah, I agree that Max should be ahead of Guelph. Yeah, I. But oh well, what else? Okay, 
We got a couple more questions. We'll try and get to all of them. There were a lot. This, I'll let you go first again. Who wins out the other conferences? I know we don't know a lot. You can pick a name, but... <laughs> I'll just go with the top the top uh, teams from each conference on this list, I guess. Laval, Acadia, Saskatchewan. I'd... Well, it's good, you know. I, I appreciate everyone, anyone who contributes into our questions and things like that. Uh, just not not all that much in our wheelhouse. Uh, do you have more any more insight into that? You know, I, I try to always answer these questions. I think one time I just rudely answered the question by saying we're an OUA podcast, but <laughs> you know, I have just talking to some of the players in person. I game have had had a lot of people be like, "Hey, do you guys cover anything else? Do you cover any other sports?" Um, so with that being said, coming out of the AUS. I will just say Acadia, um, just because they have been a dominant team. I know I just kind of shat on their entire <laughs> program there. I will say that. Well, they clearly dominate, like, regardless of how that stacks up against the other provinces, they clearly have dominated their conference. Yeah, but they're going to go against St. FX or, or St. Mary's for the championship there. I'm assuming they're going to walk over Mount Allison. Um, and then, you know, we got Laval versus Sherbrooke for the first round. I think that. Wait, did Montreal not make the playoffs? Hmm. I thought they did. I was going to say Montreal. Well, that's interesting. Sorry, the, the U Sports schedule that I'm looking at doesn't yeah. even have any OUA player teams in this right now. Mm. Um, I was going to say Montreal, but I may just be wrong and have them not be in. I can't imagine that. Would, aren't they 6-2? and two? Like, what? How could you be six and two? And, and well, they're definitely in the playoffs. Well, let's not get from and 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 just from and from the west side. I'm gonna say you know most likely Calgary. And again, that's that one is gonna be my. I don't really know. Yeah, it's always Calgary UBC. Hey, you know they, they got Pat Sheehan there to replace his son Ryan Sheehan. They have the uh, you know incumbent Heck Crichton uh, winner Adam Sanagra there. You know it's it's a good combo. At least from what I know. This is a me question. Does the West Coast travel to the East Coast, or does the East Coast travel to the West Coast this year? Was one because the East Coast went to Montreal last year. Yeah, um, and but West Coast came to London too, or Calgary, or pardon me, Saskatchewan came to London last year. So both of them traveled. That's interesting. I'm trying to. Hmm. That's tough. I don't. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. You can tell the knowledge we have for anything that's not OUA. Yeah. So if this is, I mean, if this is compelling for you to listen to, then sure, keep keep pumping our mentions with all these questions about it. But this is this is what you're getting for now. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see. I on a selfish level, I, I hate that this is a year where the OUA is traveling to Quebec in the first round because uh, it just so happens to be the fifty fifth. Vanier Cup, and uh, obviously the route for an OUA team to make it there is a lot easier if they're not traveling uh, to play whomever it is coming out of uh, the RCQ in, in the first round of the U Sports uh, playoff bracket. But you know that's what we got to deal with. So that's what we're gonna deal with. Um, I will ask uh, just the one more question here, and the answer is probably gonna be quite short. Uh, is Carlton one of the two most talented teams in the OUA? Is Carlton? Ooh, ah, my, like my my immediate reaction is is to is to say no, and I think that upon reflecting for a few seconds, I'm gonna stick with no. You know, if we're talking just pure talent, like going through the roster, just player for player, 
they're they're they are very they're very talented. We've we've sung the praises of that defense over and over again. I love that receiving core. Big fan of Nathan Carter, even though he's had a bit of a down year. Josh Ferguson looks like a legit player. But I, I think that if we were go roster for roster, I, I don't think they're You go roster for roster, you go stats for stats. I think they have the, I, I do think they have the best, if not top two linebackers. Yeah. A group of linebackers. I agree there. I don't think they have the best D line. Yeah. I don't think they have the best secondary. Again, me saying I don't think they have the best doesn't mean that they're not great. I don't think they're top. I don't think their secondary is number one. They had kicking issues in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, so they don't have the best specials. Um, they have a great running back, great two running backs. They're better than LeVondre Gordon. No, better than Tucker. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, they don't have the best quarterback. I think that's fair to say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't think they have the best receiving core. Um. I don't think they're the best O-line. They are a solid solid group of players, solid group of athletes. But I think there are a, a good amount, just jumping back to my who's back of the year, a good amount of full full teams that are better than Carlson. With that being said, they do somehow keep pulling off these wins, and it's yeah. great. But if we're yeah, we're going name for name, stat for stat, yeah. player for player, I don't think they have like in, top two team in the OUA. And, but, and, and to... On that point, like in, in the theoretical like OUA uh, like football video game where the teams have like the ranking for their offense, defense, special teams, and like an overall team. The football video game? The theoretical. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Got I saw, really, I saw how excited you got got really excited. There. Apparently, sorry to jump off this, there is a there is the, the Doug Flutie maximum football game that's out. <laughs> and I don't know if someone had built the team, but they're... Clay was on there as like a draftable player, and like Queens was on there. Clay was on Queens. I don't know. I'm gonna see if I can find the link and put and put it on our social media. Okay. But I might spend forty bucks to to play with the bird, <laughs> the bird gang on on my PlayStation Four. Even though apparently dope. the game's awful. Well, I hope it's for uh, hope put it out for Nintendo Switch too. Help me out there. But you know, in in the theoretical video game where you have the like, ranking of the offense, defense, special teams, and, and team as a whole. They might be the fifth-ranked team when it's all said and done. That's you know, they could still though compete with pretty much everyone in the league. So to echo your points there about even if they're not top two, that's not a shot by any means. Even if they're in the top, even if they're fifth, sixth, even. So um, does that wrap up the mailbag uh, for us there? It does. I do have one kind of question for you. Yeah, um, it's been uh, a heck of a regular season. We're moving into the playoffs. Um, you know, pretty much everyone's zero and zero right now. Any last thoughts on on players who you kind of want to shout out? I'm just looking at stats leaders. You know, there's a couple of players I want to give shout outs to for the end of the season. Yeah. Um, any final words before we, you know, fully end this episode, head into the playoffs this weekend? Well, if, if you have someone lined up, go, you go ahead and I'll... Well, I'll, you know, obviously I have the most respect for the Bird Gang, especially, you know, once we actually got to know them and and meet them on a personal level, but, you know, yeah. Corby and Lovegrove, both almost averaging 100 yards a game, eight touchdowns a game, not eight touchdowns a game, that'd be crazy, <laughs> <laughs> eight touchdowns on the season, uh, Brenton Hall right behind them with 90 yards a game, six touchdowns, Lavondre Gordon and Deion Pellerin, absolute monsters in the backfield, both averaging more than 100 yards, Deion Pellerin with 11 touchdowns on the whole season, that's just on the ground, uh, this is a surprise for me just because, again, I'm not a defensive guy, but you were saying Campbell for UFT, mm. absolute monster, eight and a half sacks. True. I know everyone can go on these websites and, and look at this, but it's important to really see like 
there are just some absolute ballers out there in the OUA. And when you really look at the stats, it's it's crazy. So, you know, obviously, you know, big shout out to Daniel Diodati, Justice Allen. You know, Justice, hope you guys do well in the playoffs. AJ Allen, hopefully no one takes your your stats anymore. Uh, but you never know. That, no, that, that that was beautiful. I, I, I'll, I'll leave it on that note. I'll throw in the extra shout out for, for Trey Humes, you know, following in the footsteps of... <laughs> Of, of of Joseph of Taylor from last year, and you know, not barely skipping a beat. Trey Humes, Trey Humes is Trey Humes. Trey Humes is Trey Humes. I didn't I didn't know he was, and he <laughs> is. Uh, so big shout out to him, and yeah, big ups to Mountain Campbell. Um, for for a hell of a year too. A fairly quiet, seemed like a quiet eight and a half sacks. Um, but obviously the story for U of T was the offense. So that kind of overshadowed anything else that happened. But yeah, to everyone that you had mentioned there and to everyone else that participated in what made this such an incredible season, you know, we thank you for, you know, all your hard work and dedication that has taken us this far. But thankfully the story does not end with this podcast here today. It's no, just getting started. It's just getting started. The real season is here upon us. It is do or die time. It is win or go home. It is the Yates Cup playoff baby it's kicking off at 1 p.m this saturday (laughs) and then it's being followed at 1 p.m again on saturday but i won't dive down that rabbit hole again it's frustrating i'm still frustrated i'll continue to be frustrated oh you wait get it together let's put together a petition to get some sense into these schedules uh and some of the other things in in the oe way but uh i love it can't wait to dive into these games to see the results to break it down as we do every single week We'll be here for you next week to do it all over again at the 55.